Hello, everybody. Uh, we're back with the Regenerative Landscapes podcast. For those of you who were around the Edmonton area last night, boy, that was fun. How was it for you guys? <laughs> Felt like my house was going to start uh, flying off. <laughs> well, apparently some people lost their shingles. There were some trees down and I think at least three rollovers, but only one of them happened within the city limits. Yeah. And uh, a friend sent me a little news clip of... Uh... A trampoline. <laughs> oh, yeah. Like flew out one of the, of the road. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, one of the best ads I ever saw was somebody advertising saying trampoline free if you can catch it. And then they showed a picture of it blowing up against some fence. And then another while later, they posted another one up against somebody's house. <laughs> and they're like, you might need a few repairs, but it's yours for the taking. <laughs> Actually, out here, though, I was surprised. I was not sure if our. Uh, shelters were going to hold up or if any trees would come down. There's some branches here and there, but we, we were pretty lucky, actually. Worst thing we had was the dog going into a panic because she reacts to barometric pressure changes. So she was not happy. <laughs> and I, I guess this is somewhat, they, they say it doesn't, these uh, snow squalls don't happen very often. But I guess part of this is, again, another sign that this uh, climatic shifting is uh, throwing all kinds of different weather patterns that we don't normally see all over the place for everybody, right? Yeah, it's um, screwed up. It's, it's screwed five up, degrees yes. out today, I think. Yeah. Yeah, even, even last night when the snow squall was happening, it was snowing and blowing hurricane force winds, but it still didn't really go below zero. <laughs> So I don't know. This is part of what we're hoping to achieve is, you know, maybe we can't change the world, but we're hoping we can convince everybody to do at least one little thing and it'll make the world a better place, we hope. All right. So today, uh, Dan's, he, he was really organized. He, he waited secretly to organize his pod about the soils. And so he did all this information and, and notes and everything. So his should be a lot better because mine, I generally just fly off the cuff and wherever the wind takes me. You so. see, but the problem with that, though, is that I start to sound very robotic, so... Oh, but this <laughs> is a good I'm mix, reading off, <laughs> reading off my notes, but it's I'm okay. hoping we got, that... We got the, the tech and the creative artsy free-flowing thing going on, so we got something for everybody then that way, right? So, yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm here so for the monotonous uh, <laughs> section of this podcast. No. You're welcome. Listeners. They're very entertaining. People want information as well as stupid. <laughs> so here you go. All right. So, uh, and actually, I don't know what we're actually calling this. I just thought it'd be funny if we called it the dirt on soil, but I don't know. We'll workshop it. <laughs> <laughs> we'll figure it out. Anyway, but um, yeah, so take it away, Dan, to talk about soils, and then we'll throw in our two cents worth when we have something. Cool. Yeah. Well, I mean, I'll just open it up right away to you guys. Uh, what is soil in your best guess? I would say soil is dirt. <laughs> no! That's taboo with plant people. Never say that. Um, what um, most people would think, right? What most people would think. Right now, I'm holding um, a box of fries and I'm, I'm eating the fries. And so I'm thinking soil is the place where you can grow the potatoes and then you can eat the stuff from it. Hopefully, you're not eating the dirt. You're eating stuff out of the dirt. <laughs> yeah, wash the dirt off first because you never know what's in the dirt before. Maybe someone peed in there as fertilizer and they use 
<laughs> but it might boost your immune system if you, yeah. you know, but you're taking a gamble. It might kill you too. So, no, we don't, we don't condone eating soil. Well, you know, the, yeah. old, the old adage, if you grew up on the farm like us, a pound of dirt never hurt. That's what they always said, right? But they didn't say yeah, how, did, how, how, they didn't say whether it would get dumped on you or you'd ingest it or however. But anyway, they just said a pound of dirt never hurt. I don't know. So, um, I mean, if it's got rocks in it, it'll hurt, but yes, definitely, definitely. Uh, well, it's interesting that, um, for me, soil is, I actually did take a little bit of soils in college, so I'm not as advanced as Dan, but I learned a few things. So for me, soil is a mixture of minerals, organic matter, living organisms, gas, and water. So I think that should add up to five things, hopefully five things. So together, those five things. Uh, the ratios can vary depending on where you are and what's going on. But overall, if you have at least some of each of those five things together, they are able to support life. So if you have a hunk of rock, dirt, whatever it might be out there that can't support life, to me, that is not soil. But that's my, my take on it. So now Dan will tell us <laughs> what it really is. Well, I think you you basically just summed it up. What I kind of had was like, yeah, soils are, you know, just reading verbatim, basically a definition. I think Merriam-Webster. Uh, yeah, soils are a dynamic natural body on the Earth's surface in which plants grow. It consists of minerals, stuff like quartz and feldspar. Uh, it's got organics like manure and really any organic uh, matter materials. It's got gases like oxygen, methane, nitrogen, and liquids like water. So soils have many uses and properties that are beneficial. Yeah. Huh? Sorry? I'm glad you specified water. It's got liquid. (laughs) I mean, water is the most common one. There are definitely more liquids, but that's kind of the go-to one for most liquids. Yeah, we're hoping there's not like, you know, alcohol or or something else in there. (laughs) No, and then like you you can get into, you know, there's solutions and different kinds of solutions in soils, but that is water base usually so yeah that's kind of like the main things that make up soil and then yeah i was gonna kind of go a little bit into it more uh yeah so within a given area uh the soil soil profile so just kind of think of it as like you know a little let's say square meter just like a little chunk of soil on a landscape is influenced by i I say seven factors obviously there could be more but kind of trim it down for this podcast otherwise it could just be a whole (laughs) whole lecture i could probably do um yeah, there's kind of seven things that I kind of looked into. So the parent material, uh, the climate, organisms and vegetation, the topography, time, groundwater, and anthropogenic activity or human activity. Uh, so I'll kind of go over those a little bit, like not really in too much detail. Starting off, parent material, that's uh, defined as the original material underground that's been uh, that consists of disintegrated rock, usually unconsolidated and unchanged. It, it can be a little bit changed, but for the most part, it's uh, unchanged uh, that the soil develops from. Plant uh, Parent material classification is based on where it's deposited and how it's transported. So there's all these different ways you can classify the parent material, which I won't really get into because, again, that could almost be its own <laughs> podcast talking about all the different kinds of parent material and, you know, where they come from and whatnot. But like, I mean, one, for example, I think would be, uh, yeah, lacustrian deposit. Yeah. Lacustrian. Yeah. Like still water, I think it's lacustrian. So yeah, like kind of glacial lake 
um, deposits, stuff like that. Um, anyways, yeah, there, there's a few things uh, within the classification that uh, maybe some other episode I can go into detail oh, yeah. more, but that's kind of the general appeal to the masses, right? So the, the average yeah. person, what their take on soil is going to be. So we'll, we'll get their feet wet slowly into it, right? <laughs> yeah. But yeah, so essentially, yeah. yeah. Parent material is that original material uh, that's, you know, been here for a very long time and helps to kind of uh, influence what kind of soils you're going to get um, as time goes on. Uh, so that's parent material. Uh, there's climate factors or just climate in general. So such as uh, the temperature, uh, winds, growing season, pre precipitation, many other things uh, that determine the type of weathering that will occur. Uh, within uh, the soil profile. So this can be both physical uh, and or chemical. And this also determines what kinds of natural vegetation uh, were and are present. So colder climate, or let's say more temperate climate. Think about all the kind of plants that we get here in Alberta uh, compared to the climate that, you know, you get somewhere Caribbean or somewhere a little more tropical. Um, you're going to get a whole different kind of physical and chemical uh, process, yeah, relationship processes that are occurring. Because with tropical areas, you know, it's going to be hotter temperatures. Uh, winds are going to be a little bit cooler. Well, I mean, that could vary, but let's put it this way, not as dry, unless, like, compared to right here in Edmonton. Like, <laughs> we get, like, very dry winds. Definitely influences how kind of the soils kind of ties in with how stuff gets eroded and just erosion in general, I guess. Next, uh, organisms and vegetation uh, help to influence uh, the weathering and nutrient releases by the way of organic acids and other microbial processes. The formation of soils varies by the type of vegetation, such as like grasslands with most organic and mineral residues added underground, forest soils with uh, residues mixed uh, with mineral soils by animals. Yeah, so there's those factors. Uh, there's topography, which can dictate uh, where vegetation will grow, such as trees growing in low-lying areas within a grassland, for example. It can influence the erosion factors affecting the land. So depending on uh, kind of what kind of slopes you have and the depressions kind of at what angle they're at, like if they're very steep or if they're very kind of more shallow, that'll determine kind of how much erosion might occur. And then also tied to all that too is... Uh, uh, the drainage patterns uh, on the on the landscape. So such as like if water was going to be put, like, you know, if you had a whole bunch of depressions or low-lying areas that will influence uh, your soils kind of based on um, how much water will pool there. Because if you have mm -hmm. kind of these low-lying areas and say your soil is very clay-heavy, you're going to get a lot of pooling there that's just going to sit there and it's not going to really drain uh, yeah, further into the ground table. Versus up higher, like on a on a mountainside or something, it drains fairly readily. Even if it's running, like even if you're getting flash floods, it's not going to stay there very long, right? So, exactly. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, there's those, uh, and then time's another big one. Time. Uh, Never have yeah. enough of that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Because uh, it, it it's taken a very like exceptionally long time for like soil formations to become what they are today. For example, like the last glaciation in Alberta was like about what eight thousand to eleven thousand years ago, something like that. Yeah, uh, which around 10, you know, yeah, which influenced a lot of factors that affect the soil prof the soil profile, which 
you know, the things that I've kind of talked about before and so many other things that don't have time for. Uh, there's also groundwater, uh, which can influence soil formations by how long, by how it is moving, uh, how much volume there is, and where the groundwater table sits within a landscape. And then there's the human activity or anthropogenic influences. So things like mining, farming, and infrastructure can greatly alter the development of soils, affecting uh, the physical and chemical properties of it. You know, mm-hmm. if you start to dig a <laughs> huge mine, you're definitely affecting the physical that way because you just dug a big hole in the ground um, and all the equipment yeah, well, that's going in there. Yeah, just do a lot of those <laughs> processes, but much faster, right? At a much faster rate. So yeah, and then you know something like the farming. There's a lot of fertilizer and other chemicals being added to farmland for whatever crops that you're growing. You know, that's going to affect what kind of nutrients and chemical stuff that's going to be in the soil. And yeah, and even even the tilling, right? Because it's moving the soil up and down. Yeah, on the yeah on the physical side too. Yeah, Yeah. like tillage, all that. So yeah, those were kind of the main factors. Obviously, there's so many other ones I didn't talk about, but figured those were kind of a seven good ones to start. Mm-hmm. And it gives <laughs> uh, us lots yeah, of spinoffs for a future podcast. We have no like. Like honestly, I could probably do one on. Well, maybe not time. Well, time. I think you're getting to a whole different kind of podcast. But uh, <laughs> uh, no, yeah, yeah almost all of them. You could I probably mean, do your own episode. So. <laughs> oh yeah. So, oh yeah, we've we've got a lot of material people. You're stuck with us for a very long time. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, within soils, uh, one of the things that I talked about was organic materials. Uh, so organic material, inorganic materials, are derived from rock materials uh, by disintegration uh, or weathering. This will make up uh, the majority of the composition of most topsoils. And then the particles within organic materials generally consist of uh, four kinds, you know, you know, huge things like stones and gravel, and then sand, silt, and then eventually clay being the smallest particle size within that. Um, and then kind of what I said before with one of the factors when it came to topography, something like clay, when it has such that small particle, uh, particle size, what it had, well, actually, I'll get into a little bit more, but basically clay just has this very high water holding capacity just because by how small those particles particle sizes whereas something like stones gravel and sand the particle size so is much bigger water and any other kind of nutrient solutions or any kind of solution has an easier time of just draining out or blowing out or leaching or something like that um so yeah that's kind of the main difference there but yeah basically inorganic materials you know anything that isn't organic so (laughs) just stuff like rocks and whatnot so then yeah there's their inorganic side and then there's organic side so organic materials uh i think broadly can be separated into two categories living and dead matter living (laughs) matter (laughs) what well it's just living and dead (laughs) dead. (laughs) sorry sorry I just really want to emphasize, <laughs> uh, you know, there's dead stuff too. I don't know. I think yeah. just the pandemic in the back of my mind, just a lot. Anyways, I um, know, but yeah. and not to diss the dead. I mean, dead stuff's important too. Again, a whole bunch of other podcasts can spin off that, but but yeah, okay, go ahead back to the balance of the the living and the dead. 
so yeah, living matter uh, consists of living organisms of varying sizes. So things like worms and insects to as tiny as bacteria. Living organisms contribute to the physical uh, disintegration of plant or animal residues. As residues decay, nutrient elements are released, including nitrogen, phosphorus, and sulfur. While nutrient elements are available for plant uptake, some are used by organisms for growth and may convert them again into organic combinations. These combinations make it unavailable for uptake by plants or immobilization occurs. And immobilization is simply put the conversion of like an element like nitrogen from an inorganic to organic form by microorganisms. Mineralization is the opposite process happening there. Organic matter that's dead, uh, it's partially decayed and partially synthesized plant and animal residues that are broken down by the microorganisms for uh, their food and energy. And then one kind of aspect of organic matter that you kind of mostly find in um, kind of forest uh, ecosystems is uh, hummus. Not like the chickpea hey, stuff wait you a minute. Though, but wait a minute. <laughs> let I, me I clarify. I just want to stop for a second because my understanding is so there's hummus, the food, and not that you could see this while we're talking, but it's actually spelt with an extra M. So does that not mean the other form that we're talking about with the soil is humus because it's only got one M? Maybe that's how we differentiate between it. One's hummus and one's humus. I don't know. Just putting it out there. I've, I've, heard, <laughs> I've heard people say hummus and humus. So I guess for differentiation, we could say humus. Yeah, I guess, so, I guess okay. potato, potato, right? But it might help us yeah. on the podcast if we specify sure. this one's humus and the other one's okay. hummus because otherwise, once again, people go back to eating dirt. I mean, <laughs> yeah, I got to clarify. Oh, uh, yeah. Okay. So <laughs> we will call it humus. Okay. <laughs> so yeah, humus is a, is kind of like a part of organic matter, like a little fraction of it that is most resistant to decomposition. It forms this kind of uh, condensation that uh, condensation produced that is kind of dark in color and uh, coats the surface of mineral particles. So like you, you'll probably kind of see like a, uh, black or dark brown. The benefits uh so yeah, that's basically what humus is. Um, just kind so of you're saying kind so of, you're saying humus kind of sweats when it's surrounded by the other materials, and and that's how it. I mean, I realize chemical reaction, and everything, but that's where that dark black color comes from. Then yeah, essentially, and that's kind of what it makes it pretty. Yeah, as I said, like kind of resistant to being decomposed. And that's why, you know, kind of in these forest mm. systems uh, where it might be a little more moisture heavy, that's where you kind of get more humus present. And that oh, helps so that would be like your, um, I guess an example would be like your, once you get deep into your peat bog, right? Because there's no yeah, exactly. oxygen down there. Perfect. Okay, now I got it. Awesome. Hey, I learned something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so the benefits of organic materials are that it contains many essential nutrients, uh, high water holding capacity, sort of acting like a sponge. And helps hold soil particles together. So organic matter, good. <laughs> organic matter, good. Yeah. What's well, more of a balancer, right? Because the inorganic. Yeah, you don't want. Yeah, because the, the yeah, you don't want to have too much of organic matter, or really, because sometimes you don't want. Because uh, right, if organic matter with its high holding water capacity, if you had a whole bunch of it, then you might have these. Uh, you might have too much water in a location that maybe you didn't want. <laughs> yeah. So you. So and that's more if you can control it. Yeah. 
but um it depends on what i guess where where you are at and all, like all those other factors that you mentioned and the plants and uh, so it's um a very dynamic fluid type of thing to figure out what those ratios are i guess because yeah. they change all the time right but anyway <clears> cool <throat> go on <laughs> yeah so then another aspect uh within a soil profile is uh, the soil water or sometime or you can call it a soil solution too kind of generally putting it uh kind of the water's like physical properties within a soil profile um are, are mainly caused by the polarity or like its polarity uh with kind of two main processes happening so one of them is called a cohesion which is the process of water molecules uh sticking to each other uh, this is caused by hydrogen bonds that form between positive and negative ends of neighboring uh, molecules so that's cohesion adhesion is the process of water molecules sticking to other surfaces so soil solution generally put is the combination of water dissolved solids such as cations and anions, many of which are essential nutrients for plant growth. Water is held in soil pores with varying degrees of attraction depending on the size of the pores and the amount of water present. For example, soils that contain more clay content hold more water due to its properties of numerous small pores and strong negative charges on its particles. So kind of already talked about that before, but the other aspect to that was uh, uh, clay particles have strong negative charges. So that kind of oh, helps. that's with why it, holds that water for so long right i guess mm -hmm. yeah because opposites attract right people <laughs> anyways uh yeah so there's the soil water uh then there's also soil air so along with water within soil pores there's air is also present so the amount of air within soil pores is inversely related to the amount of water present the main gases within pores are your carbon dioxides your oxygen your nitrogen Carbon dioxide content generally going to be higher than your atmospheric levels due to respiration from roots and microbes uh, within the soil profile, whereas oxygen is kind of the opposite with levels being lower in soil pores than the atmosphere. Uh, just because, you know, when you're <laughs> above the soil, uh, you got a lot more access to how much oxygen yeah. is being produced <laughs> up there. And, and not a lot of other things blocking it either. Yeah, right? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Like not, nothing's holding it. Yeah in a somewhat contained environment. So yeah, there's soil air, uh, there's soil pH. So anything that changes the distribution of acidic and basic cations will affect soil pH. This includes things like liming, fertilizers, uh, plant uptake, and release of hydrogen ions, and mineral weathering. Mm -hmm. so, and in this part, I'll just interject in here, but I'll make it short because again, this could be a whole other podcast. So from the plants kind of side of things, I do know that roughly speaking, you've got more acidic down to about 3.5 on the scale, uh, somewhere between 6.5, 7.5 is neutral, and then all the way up to 10 becomes more alkaline. Nutrients become either available or unavailable due to where the balance is on the pH scale. And some plants prefer more alkaline, some prefer more acidic. And that's actually a lot of times why when people come and, and they're like, oh, I got plants that are dying or whatever. And the first instinct is, oh, I must throw in fertilizer or something to fix it because they're not, the plants aren't able to get the nutrients. Sometimes the nutrients are there, but they're just being blocked by the pH. And if you just did some soil testing, got your pH checked, then you'd find out 
oh, I don't actually need to do anything with the fertilizer at all. I just need to change the pH. But because they've thrown the fertilizer, now they've just, you know, amplified the problem by that much more. So I guess from a plant side of things, I just say to people, if you start to have problems and you know it's not caused by pests or some of the typical things, it doesn't hurt. Get your soil checked. There's test kits out there or go to your garden center or whatever and check that first before you start throwing in all kinds of stuff because you could be messing your soil up more and your soil's key for everything. So if you don't have good soil, you don't have good plants. Sorry, back to Dan. Well, I mean, that's perfect because that's ex- almost exactly what I was going to say in my next thing. I'm gonna... sorry. <laughs> no, it's fine. <laughs> you, no, you just, you just did it for me, so thank you. <laughs> um, yeah, I was just going to talk about soil acidity and alkalinity, but yeah, you basically summed it up that, um, that, yeah, like soil acidity, that side of it, has a direct effect on plants at extremely high or low pH, so it affects ion availability. So yeah, such as nutrients and toxins. Yeah. So ions are more soluble, more mobile at low pH and are less soluble and mobile at high pH, which you already got into. So I'm not going to talk about the rest of the stuff I had there. Uh, But yeah, so like some plants have adapted to low pH. So Mm -hmm. your things like blueberries, cranberries, pine, spruces, and aspen. Yeah, Um, hence people saying, oh, they like it more acidic. That just means they like the lower pH or um, there's, there's a few things. I don't know anything that likes it really high pH, but there are some things that function on more uh, calciferous, I can never say that right, soils or whatever, a little bit more alkaline pH um, than the norm. And generally, lime helps raise pH and sulfur helps lower it. So if you find either of those items occurring more in your soil, chances are, not always, but chances are it's probably going to be more on you know, the acidic side for the lime or the acidic side for the sulfur. So, mm-hmm. yeah. So like some sources of soil acidity include like carbonic acid, which is a water and carbon dioxide combination. Uh, there's nitric acid produced through nitrification by bacteria under aerobic or oxygen required uh, conditions, uh, naturally occurring acidic rocks and acid rain are just a few examples of sources for that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, <laughs> yeah, that's kind that's of... That's a little bit too much acid. That, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so that's kind of the acidity uh, side of it, and then there's the alkalinity side of it. So source of ions like uh, hydroxide uh, that contribute uh, to alkalinity in soils comes from a combination of factors. Things such as the minimal leaching of nutrients, like in drier environments, natural release of basic cations from mineral weathering, and selective uptake of anions by plants. General thing is, you know, low pH, you have more soluble ions, and higher pH, not so much. And there's all these different factors that kind of dictate naturally occurring, as well as kind of human influenced of um, if you're going to have a higher or lower pH uh, within your soil profile there are ways that we can help to kind of adjust that pH, which we kind of talked about already. Yeah, cool. (laughs) Uh, But I will talk about amendments. That'll kind of be my final thing. So uh, the purpose of amendments, uh, you may want to use as important. Amendments can be multifunctional, uh, intentional or not, uh, which requires careful consideration and assessment. So things to consider are what you want to change within your soil profile. So, is it the organic matter? Is it bulk density? Uh, so kind of like the soil mass, essentially, within a given area. 
the pH of it, uh, nutrients, so many other factors. Uh, what could change? Uh, so things like your hydrologic uh, conditions, uh, your nutrients, uh, erosion temperature, evaporation, etc. Uh, the cost or the cost, uh, duration, and amounts needed for a certain area. There are, uh, there are many ways to incorporate and apply the amendments into your soil. Things like disking and cultivating for when soils are tough. Rototilling if there are a few rocks or stones. Crimping at shallow depths, uh, so kind of within you know, 5 to 10 centimeters. Uh, in parallel paths. Spreading on the surface with things like, you know, something like a manure spreader. Or things like hydromulchers are all things that should be considered when you're uh, wanting to add uh, amendments to an area. So mm -hmm. organic amendments are a good choice when wanting to incorporate more nutrients into your soil. Uh, issues do arise when there are uh, carbon-nitrogen ratios that are too high due to improper planting. So that's kind of where we get into, yeah, you don't want to, you, you, you kind of want to do a lot of testing and pre-planning before you actually decide you know, if you want to change the pH of it, but also if you want to, to again, depending on what you're looking for uh, to change within the soil profile, you definitely want to do a lot of planning to figure out what you already have. And when you add this amendment, whatever it may be, that you're not uh, creating a bigger issue. Because it's never yeah, going to be. Perfect, effect you'll have. Yeah. yeah. Um, so something like, yeah, high carbon nitrogen ratios can cause uh, seedbed problems and uh, have not the greatest odors. Uh, create uh, micro, microbial pathogens, introduction of wheat seeds, depending on what amendment you're using, uh, other materials such as, uh, yeah, and other materials such as salts and metals. Things to consider if choosing organic amendments include uh, the soil temperature effects, time period for application, is it going to be short or on the long term, particle size. So generally speaking, when you have a short or kind of a small particle size, tends to be more effective, but again, depending on what outcome you're looking for, that could be different. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because you, might, could not, be you might not want the small. small yeah, because it could but... be absorbed faster versus slower for larger particles, but then maybe you want something that's more consistent over a longer term versus, oh, it's all been sucked up and now it's gone. <laughs> yeah, like, like <laughs> a, yeah, do you want something that's kind of more of a slow release or something yeah. that's a little bit quicker? Yeah, and, yeah, depends what you're growing or situation. what you're doing with your for sure. Yeah, doing with the area. Uh, so then kind of a big one that I think a lot of people are familiar with is like mulches, which is the organic material. So stuff like wood or straw mulches is basically just, yeah, wood or straw material that's chopped up and spread, essentially. Mm -hmm. uh, they are generally held with net or tackifiers. I mean, again, it depends on the application. Some, I mean, you know, generally speaking, I think most people just... <laughs> Kind of well, if, throw it's, it if it's heavy, yeah, if it's heavy enough where you got water on top of it to to weigh it down, you just put it down. But if if you do experience, I don't know, hundred kilometer hour winds for some reason, you, you want something a little extra to make sure it's not blowing gonna, away. <laughs> yeah, so you either want something to weigh it down or, or or weigh it down with like water or something or other. But yeah, and yeah, so things like a tackifier, which is essentially like a glue for your material, whatever you're tackifying i guess is that what that green stuff is when they blow the grass seed along the, you know see them along the highways and stuff like that when they're trying to re-scape somewhere is that is that a tackifier type thing they're using in the grass seed that i'm not too sure i think so i wouldn't be surprised don't hold me on that <laughs> but anyway something to look into put a pin in that hmm. yeah okay um but yeah so 
tachyvirus are more cost effective or can be a more cost effective solution uh, for whatever your uh, needs are for your soul profile, but uh, can cause issues too if the tachyvirus, is, for example, like the like the bonding is almost too strong for what you have. Which could lead we to just uh, made concrete. Yay. <laughs> oh, yeah, like in some cases, yeah, it might be a little too strong. And then plants can't uh, emerge uh, from like the mulch layer that you just put on. Yeah. Uh, and then also there's things like uh, reduces infiltration. So, you know, if you get a rain event or something, well, yeah, like intercepting rainfall as well, like which could be a pro or con depending on how you look at it. But yeah, mm -hmm. it can reduce infiltration. So stuff might not be getting actually to the plants or like in the soil. It just might be kind of cooling on top or kind of you know washing away on top um and then yeah if it intercepts say something like rainfall could be a pro or con depending on what you're looking for with that because sometimes you might not want a whole bunch of rainwater to be getting into your soil profile or wherever you're kind of doing all your amendments and stuff but also it could be a con because then if you're not getting any water in your area then <laughs> you're kind of hooped if you're trying to grow something yeah so it can be a pro or a con. And then there's uh, manure, I think, is another big one that I think people have heard about. Mm -hmm. uh, it's kind of raw, rotted, or composted bedding or feces and urine. It could be applied by a whole bunch of different things like a dozers, spreaders, bobcats, etc. cetera. Uh, the rates of application for manure vary with drier, irrigated conditions. The type of manure that you're using and the soil type. Manure can change soil physical properties and can lead to erosion benefit. There is potential groundwater and surface water pollutions with this excess nitrates from manure that could be lost through volatilization or processes like uh, runoff. Mm -hmm. And yeah, so like, I mean, those are kind of the main things talking about uh, when it comes to amendments like mulches and manure, I think a lot of people have heard about, and, but there is just so many other amendments that you can, like, I mean, Don, you were talking about uh, liming like that's another amendment you can add into it if you're looking more at your ph if you want to adjust that and yeah there's just so many things you can add to soil to help you uh get it to a better uh, to improve the quality mission. of it yeah. yeah but i think uh, the i guess the key thing is is just again make sure make sure you do your research or have somebody qualified to come in and assist you for your particular situation because i mean it can vary so much like dan said depending on your your climate, your soil composition, the plants that are there, what you've already done to it, what you haven't done to it, all these things. And uh, in the end, you want to know what you have before you start so that you know what, what it needs. Or if it does need anything, you might find that you, you've actually got a, a good healthy soil and don't really need to do anything at all. Because if you put something in now, you've just sent it over the other way and uh, have upset the balance again. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I think that's kind of all I was going to really say today. It wasn't too much. Like, I mean, I could go into so much more detail. For probably oh, yeah. I think I think for the, so, for the average uh, listener, so, I think quick, it's a really good yeah. step in. Yeah, like it's a, it's a good basic grab on soils, gives people a lot to think about. And then, you know, if they want to go to the next level, well, we've got specific podcasts about more things that we can get into for sure. But this is this is definitely the dirt on soil. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You really want that to be the title. I, don't I don't know. It's just sticking in my <laughs> head for some reason. Anyway. Yeah, I mean, quickly, I'll say kind of maybe a little tease, because I do kind of want to talk about this at some point for an episode uh, with the amendments part of it. One of those amendments, uh, which, yeah, Don, you sent me a little video of it. And yeah, and that's funny that before. your coincidence, it, I hadn't looked at your file folder yet, and it was just coincidence that we both were thinking the same thing. <laughs> 
Yeah, but uh, biochar is another uh, amendment that's uh, used in a lot of uh, projects. And there's one particular project that I've worked on in the city of Edmonton in a stormwater management facility used biochar in a big way uh, to help with uh, the development of the native plants that were installed there and all these other fungi and basically help with the efficiency of the stormwater pond itself. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I won't go into great detail right now because I can save that for a different episode. But yeah, biochar is a very cool amendment, especially how it gets made both by us and just in nature, how it gets mm-hmm. made. I think it's pretty cool. But yeah, we'll uh, we'll definitely be looking at biochar again in the future because it's a, it's, it's a growing trend for one thing and it does have multitude of uses. So cool. Awesome. So yeah, that is... Uh, Dan with Soils, awesome. This concludes another episode of Regenerative Landscapes. Please leave a comment, subscribe. For more information, go to fescue.ca and mmgardens.ca.